As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and this is an unscheduled episode of 1% Better. So, something big must have happened. I don't know if you heard, but the Colts signed a cornerback I never heard of on Wednesday. So, <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. He has a name. His parents gave him one. I just don't remember it. So, anyway, there's also some other news, Zach. The Colts have traded Carson Wentz. He's their starting quarterback, or was their starting quarterback. He's going to the Washington Commanders. I didn't screw that up, so I'm proud of myself. Uh, This is interesting. Look, we knew that a move was likely coming here, a trade, uh, a release, something. Uh, I think the Colts did did okay here. They're going to get two third-round picks. They're flipping second-round picks with Washington, and I think just as big as, as any of that, the commanders are taking on all of the compensation, as far as we know, in Carson Wentz's contract for this year. That is $28 million. I did not anticipate that. I thought for sure whoever made this trade was going to insist that the Colts eat some of that money. But anyway, that's good compensation. It frees up $28 million on the salary cap. The Colts are going to have next week upwards of $70 million in cap space. I'm sure they'll spend all of it. No. But anyhow... That's that's good. That's all good. But they don't have a quarterback. I don't know if you realize that part. But anyway, there's a lot to get to here. And we have, I think, a lot of insight on this. Zach and I have been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, trading, uh, I should say, comparing notes and talking about our respective conversations. And we haven't really been able to share a lot of that with you guys. So today we said, screw it, right? And it's over. And there's some things that we can share that I think are are worth sharing. Um, so Zach, let's, let's talk about this. Um, I think this is the most important question. Why did this happen? What's the single biggest reason? There are worse quarterbacks in the NFL than Carson Wentz. There are much worse quarterbacks, in fact. Yeah, for sure. What's the single biggest reason in your mind, just based on everything we know, why? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe you, maybe it's not that simple. I might be oversimplifying it, but go ahead. It's not that simple, but it's not a football answer. It's not a football decision from my understanding. And I think the fans have put this together. I think the fans yeah. have seen the owner outside of his private jet 
tell them that we lost something last season. We we slipped. We let something get into our DNA that wasn't there before. Fear was one of the words he used. Um, they're here right now today having traded Carson Wentz to Washington because they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in him moving forward. And although I see your point and I hear this all the time and, and your points are valid, where do they go from here? I don't have an answer right now as we sit here. But that's not the point. The point is they were willing to move on from Carson Wentz without that answer. That's how determined they were to get this move done. And the fact that they get $28 million off the books and they got two thirds, one of which can become a second as being reported, that's stunning to me. That's that's a great haul from Chris Ballard. Now, I heard it was a fourth and a sixth yesterday. So he worked them up a little bit. Obviously, Washington had tried to get Russell Wilson. But that's not important for the Colts right now. The important thing is, yeah, you got to fill the quarterback spot. But the reality is this move was decided on January 9th and January 10th. That's my firm belief that it was decided within that building that they were not going to run it back with Carson Wentz. That was decided. And for those of us, for those who listened last week to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, I think it was very obvious. If, if you knew the quarterback wasn't coming back, how do you handle all those questions about whether he's going to come back? You tiptoe around it. You say you're not sure. They were visibly uncomfortable, Frank Reich especially, because they knew what was going to happen. And the bottom line is the Colts didn't believe in Carson Wentz as their franchise quarterback moving forward. There's absolutely worse quarterbacks out there than him. He's not a terrible solution considering the other alternatives that are out there, but they didn't believe in him. And, and I heard that there were times when he would resist some tough coaching. He wanted to do it his way. There were times when his play – was so erratic that it lost this team's games, and that was very frustrating. They were tired of necessarily pulling Carson up with them. They didn't feel like they were winning because of him. They thought they were winning with him, and they thought they were winning because of Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman or some of the others. But the bottom line, if you remove football from it, they just didn't believe in this guy. And I think if they're if they're convinced 100% that they don't believe in him, there's no point to run it back and just hope it gets better. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that is that's a good summation. I I do think there were varying opinions. No, in fact, we know there were varying opinions on Carson Wentz in the building. Okay, we we said this last week, and and this has I think become clear. You talked about the fans being perceptive. I I think they have picked up on this from our podcast and from other sources. I think uh, who have talked about this publicly. There were varying opinions, but what there wasn't was anyone saying. We got to have this guy. He's the answer. No one said that. Literally, no one said that. <laughs> and this, and let me just add one thing. This is not just the owner. This is yeah. not just the owner. I think everyone knows how the owner feels. It's not just the owner within the building. That is true. That's that's very true. And it's important here because I think I think that there has been some sentiment. I think has taken hold that that this is definitely an Ursay decision, one hundred percent. And I think he was the most vociferous. He clearly was. Clearly. We, we know this. Okay. Trust me. That's that's very true. He was definitely the most vociferous and the most dug in. Uh, but I I mean, you didn't hear Frank Reich making the case for Carson Wentz. You didn't hear Chris Ballard making the case for Carson Wentz. Let me ask you this real You'll hear quick. teammates making the case. Exactly. And if you are making the case that, eh, there's nothing else better, is that a good case? Is that good enough? I, that's something I've struggled with. And 
I, I think it's a it's a take. I don't know if it's the right take, but it's a take. <laughs> and you and I danced around that this morning, right? I I actually right. I right. was wondering, like, you know, what if I I actually said this? And this is I'm, I don't know why I'm saying this publicly. I actually texted Zach this morning. He's like, would you laugh at me if I wrote that maybe the Colts should reconsider? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, you know what's going to happen, right? Right, I know. I would have had egg on my face, so it would have been stupid, right? So I'm glad they saved me from myself. I don't know. Maybe I was just looking for some cheap traffic. I don't know. I got to stop doing that. I don't do that, but maybe I was this time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I really believed it, but I think yesterday had me kind of thinking, like, all right, well, Russell's off the board, Aaron Rodgers is off the board. Where are right. you? You go look from at here? the free agent list, and you're yeah. like, it was an emotional decision by me. Definitely was. <laughs> Okay, but this was not an emotional decision by the Colts. This was not just on Jacksonville. This was not just on Las Vegas. This wasn't just them missing the playoffs. I think the the simmering unease with Carson Wentz was obviously exacerbated at the end of the season with the way it ended. But I think I didn't. I just think they weren't all in on him for most of the year. And then when it ended the way it ended, I think that just stamped it. That just sealed it. We're done. We're moving on. And and I think there's another aspect of this that we have to cover. And if you've heard it before, it's because you have. You heard it after the Philly fallout. There is some leadership. There are some leadership issues. And there is a little bit of a disconnect there with Carson Wentz that I think played into this. That doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't make him selfish i i can't attach any of those labels because i don't know carson wentz well enough frankly i don't think carson's a bad guy no i do not i we heard things from philly that that would make you ask that question i never saw any direct evidence of it nor nor did i hear it but but i also and you can elaborate on this too i also think i understand better why those questions came up now I do understand. I do. I do see that. And and I think. He's, I he's, think wait, one quick thought before I go on. Yeah. I, I do not think he is naturally inclined to be a leader. He is a reluctant leader. And that is a very bad quality for a quarterback. It, maybe think, you were born that way, but that's so, not a good quality. You remember in the season and we would talk during we talked during the whole game, right? Every game we kind of yeah. chat. And, and I remember saying at one point, like. Every time he's back there and he's scrambling, you kind of have this feeling in the back of your stomach that something terrible is going to happen. That's just me watching the game as a reporter. I'm sure the yeah. fans out there had similar experiences this fall. Like watching Carson play is like a roller coaster. I don't think the the teammates were I don't think the teammates were that dissimilar to us. I think there were trust issues in terms of is this the right guy? Is this guy too reckless? Is this guy I just felt like that was a little bit of an unease with the players, and I'm sure it was with the coach because the way he called the game at the end of the season. But I don't think they had that last year with Rivers. And I know that's not a fair comparison, and Rivers is an all-time great 17-year vet, et cetera. But I just feel like this year there was a little bit of frustration with the players in terms of believing that Carson was the right guy who was going to always make the right decision. A lot of times when those plays happened, Carson would make a great play, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But there were a lot of times, like we talked about last week, he created really tough situations out of easy situations. He made football hard. And that's grading on a locker room and on a team and on a play caller that's trying to get you in the best position to win. And I think that wears on you over time. And in the sense I got was with another quarterback in place, the collapse that the Colts suffered would not have happened. 
even even with a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who we've talked about at length, right? He had his struggles on the field, but they believed in Jacoby, and I'm not sure they believed in Carson the same way. I know for a fact they didn't. I think that's true, and I would say from from the franchise's position, from their perspective, and and maybe this is more of an ownership perspective. That's fine. I, I don't have a problem saying that. I, I think when I talk about leadership, one I think real hit to his leadership came from the vaccination decision. And I don't want to make it about this. It's not that is not the reason Carson Wentz is not here today. Let's be clear. Okay. It's not. It is one hundred percent not. I mean, I could give you a thousand other reasons. I do think though that it set a really bad tone in terms of how he was viewed as a leader and you know, just sort of his willingness to to step up. Look, you could have some very he could have some very valid reason uh, that he he felt the way that he did about getting vaccinated. I don't know because he never told us, and that's that's his prerogative. I'm, that is not a criticism. I'm saying I don't know because he didn't tell us. I'm just putting right. that out there. But I do think. Remember that was before the season. That was before the season, and I, I just think it 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 set a really bad tone in terms of how he was viewed. Look, Jim Mersey, okay, let's just say this. Jim Mersey, okay, this man has had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck as his quarterback for the better part of 20 years. You talk about born leaders, right? Talk about guys who embrace that role and and embody it. Those are two guys who do. And so you can imagine the adjustment to Carson Wentz, who in, in many ways, in many, many ways, was was a much less leader, was much less of a leader. So I, I gotta believe that was jarring. And and even like I should throw I should throw Jacoby Brissett and, and Philip Rivers in there for that matter. I mean, you talk about guys who were you know who were born to to, to be uh guys under center, guys who were who were I never born questioned that to be leaders. You know- Luck retires and a week later, Justin Houston is like, that dude is for real. Like Justin Houston doesn't say that unless he believes in Jacoby. And it just never had the same feel this season. Again, this is not a knock on Carson's personality. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just don't think he filled that void that they wanted. And whether that's fair or not, that's the job. That's the quarterback position. And and maybe it means the Colts go backwards, but I, it's hard to sort of put into words that that vague leadership term it's that gets thrown around. Thing. Right, it's gets thrown around in sports all the time, but that's really what this come what this came down to. Yeah, and that's why we're struggling to kind of phrase it properly because it is an intangible thing. You don't; it's not something you can see with your eyes. You sense it, you feel it. You know, you you sort of know it when you experience it, and you also know when it's lacking. So I think that was. That was a big part of the problem, or that was one problem, I should say. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But but I do think that the it is frustrating. Well, just keep it to football, if you want. From that perspective, it was also frustrating because I think Carson Wentz. I remember when he when the trade was made. One of the first stories I wrote was I went back and I watched a whole bunch of film of Carson Wentz from the last couple of years, so nineteen and twenty, the nineteen and twenty seasons, and I was like, all right. I get it. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> okay. But I still saw like, all right, this guy has ability. Man, if they yeah. can just harness it. He does. He has a lot of ability. And I said, okay, I think I'm going to give Frank Reich the benefit of the doubt. He can harness that. Or at least at least at times. Enough to get more out of him. And I thought he could. And guess what? He could not. 
<laughs> and I think that is that is a knock on Carson Wentz. Maybe it's a little bit of a knock on on Frank Reich, but it's much more of a knock on Carson Wentz because he was able to get the best out of Philip Rivers at 39 years old. He was able to make Jacoby Brissett a viable quarterback at times. And look, did you watch Jacoby Brissett last season? Okay, it didn't look like that in Indy before the injury. Right. I mean, it was god awful. And I love Jacoby, but what we saw with him at the Dolphins, that was some terrible quarterback play. And so I think, and by the way, Andrew Luck in 2018, I thought Frank Reich got a lot out of Andrew Luck. That was, I thought, his most efficient season. So I guess what I'm saying is this is the first time I felt like Frank Reich couldn't get a quarterback up to his standards. It's the first time. And I think that yeah. says more about the quarterback than it does Frank Reich. And, and I guess what I'm saying is that when it comes to to execution, it, they have a solid scheme. They have they have a lot of a lot of things going for them on offense between the offensive line, a playmaker like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, there were a lot of reasons why they could have had success. And I just think, as I said last week, and you stated again here today, he made it so hard, made it harder than it needed to be so often, and that just that just puts you in a really tough spot as a as an offense. And I just think you, when you have to overcome that I just don't know you know that just gets tiring I guess it gets tiring you know it's like why do we have to beat the defense and the quarterback <laughs> you know that's yeah. that's tough that's tough that's well said and I think you know this wasn't all about Jacksonville but I think Jacksonville was a very damning indictment of Wentz's problems and yeah. after the season we you know you know everybody's seen the footage right everybody's seen like Jonathan Taylor no one within 10 yards of him and on either side and, and Wentz thrown into double coverage down the field or forcing a ball to someone else on the side when someone else like Jack Doyle or Mo Cox is wide open, right? We've all seen that. That's the football stuff. And I think you saw Frank Reich's offense change later in the season because he realized like at the, let's go back to the Patriots game, right? So Wentz throws an awful interception late and they have to have Jonathan Taylor bail them out. I mean, Frank's decided I'm not going to throw the ball again because I don't trust my quarterback. He only threw for 50 yards that day. And yes, the Patriots are good in the secondary, but he put the ball in the hands of Jonathan Taylor against a stacked box because he didn't trust his quarterback. That makes it harder for Reich. It makes her harder on the offense. And I've said all along that this is not just on Wentz, right? They, they lack talent at the wide receiver and tight end positions. That's very real. The offensive line fell apart the last couple of weeks. That needs to be said. The collapse wasn't just on Wentz, but he's not a quarterback capable of overcoming that. And I thought after the season, when we asked Chris Ballard about how Wentz's accuracy dipped down and his decision-making wasn't very sharp at the end of the season, you know, Ballard said, look, you know, you can drill that and drill that and drill that, but eventually over time, it just reverts to where it is. And I think Carson Wentz, six years in, this is who he is. He had that one great anomaly season in 2017 where he's an MVP candidate. But last year, that's where he's at. He's a boomer bust quarterback. He can make some great plays, and he made some great plays for the Colts last year. But he made a lot of plays that hurt them, and a lot of times they had to play so that he wouldn't lose it for them. And that's a tough way to play. And like you just said, that wears on you. I mean, for God's sake, the defense took the ball away like 35 times last year. I mean, it gave offense chance after chance. He's got a monster in the backfield who continually breaks tackles and piled up 1,800 yards, won the rushing title by 500 yards. I mean – there was a lot to think to make you think that this was going to turn for Carson Wentz this year. And the way it ended and how he reverted to that field. I mean, he played like he did in Philadelphia, that last game in Jacksonville. That's how bad yeah. it was. 
for him to revert back to that with Frank Reich, like you said, you know, that makes you think, why are we going to run this back and hope for better? Does that just make us beg for more disaster next year? And I, I don't have an answer for you who's going to walk in that door at quarterback. It's not going to be Andrew Luck. It's not going to be Peyton Manning. It's not going to be, <laughs> right. it's not going to be an elite quarterback. But I do think if you're convinced he's not the guy, both tangibly on the field and intangibly off the field, you move on and you just, like Ballard said a couple weeks ago, you just keep firing until you get it right. The question is, how many shots do they have left? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So selfish plug. So I had this story I, I had that posted uh, on The Athletic today. And the story basically, it, it's not about the Colts, but it is indirectly. It, it's about how the, the quarterback landscape has changed. And really it's changed because the game has changed. I, I can remember even in my childhood, you know, just that, you know, you, you didn't have to have a Patrick Mahomes to be in the mix. You know, there were lots of teams that, I mean, Phil Sims, right? I mean, and the Giants, I mean, they were yeah. great teams, granted. But, like, right. but I mean, my point is, you know, it, it was, you didn't feel like if you didn't have that bona fide elite quarterback, then, like, basically, you're shot. But it kind of feels that way now. I, I got to tell you, right now, the Colts, it feels like they're as far away as they've been since Andrew Luck retired. It just feels that way because even with Jacoby Brissett, I mean, there was at least some belief. It diminished later the longer he played. But initially, there was some belief, right? And we thought maybe they could figure it out. And we had seen shades of him at times make a play or two. But it just feels right now, and I know it's it's March. I get that. But it feels that they are as far away as ever. And I guess what I'm getting at is the point you just made, and I want to expand on that. If you don't have an answer, you're nowhere, as good as this team is, seven Pro Bowl selections, most in the NFL, and where are they? Nowhere. It's a sad state of affairs, man. And look, I, I understand they got dealt a really bad hand, but this has gotten worse. They're yeah. they're further away, and I think that is just a really daunting reality. And here is the worst. Here's here's the worst part. They can't fix this now. You know, yeah. Frank. Excuse me, Chris Ballard 
at the combine said, I'd love to stop band-aiding this. Guess what? That's all they got is a band-aid. Jimmy Garoppolo, band-aid. Draft pick, eh, probably a band-aid this year. If you go there, I mean, that that's a hope and a prayer, right? We don't know. That may be a band-aid or it may be more, but you certainly don't know. Uh, the free agent landscape, definitely band-aid. That's all they got. They got a they got a big box of band-aids. Where's that get is this, you? Is this is this Jim Mersey paying the cost for having Peyton Manning for for fourteen years and then Andrew Luck for seven? Now you're just in yeah. this perpetual hamster wheel. I, I wrote about a guy named Chris Wesseling last year, and and I thought of him the other day because Wes was this great football thinker, and yep. one of his great points was football is the greatest game, right? It's the greatest sport. The one flaw in football is that there's one position that is just overly important. That is so much more important than every other position on the field. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that makes football a little bit uneasy, you know, un, un, uneven. Yeah, it, and, it's, and it's not equitable that way. Yeah, right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying the Colts are finished. I'm not saying they're there. Regardless of the quarterback spot, they've got needs at left tackle. They got needs at wide receiver and tight end and edge rush. But it's a pretty good team if you have the right quarterback. And they've been running this hamster wheel for three or four years, and, and I don't see an end in sight until they find that guy. And like you just said, it feels like they're further and further away from that guy than they've ever been under these two, under Chris Bowden and Frank Reich. And that's the ugly truth. And the shame of it is Darius Leonard's entering year five. DeForest Buckner, uh, year six or seven. I mean, Kenny Moore's in his prime. Jonathan Taylor's in his prime. He's a running back. And I could go on and on. And, and what do you have to show for it? You haven't even won the division. You haven't even won the division. And and the that's the reality. And that's what they have to accept. And and I understand moving on for Carson Wentz, if you don't believe in Carson Wentz, but what tells you this is going to get better? And they're going to see Carson Wentz next year, and that's going to be an, inter- an interesting <laughs> game. Yeah, it absolutely will be. You know, I I will tell you, look, they uh, they are in a situation where 2022 if if it feels bleak I get it why I get why you would have those feelings as a fan I get it uh look I mean I wrote in that story as I stated uh, a lot of times the counterpoint to this assertion that you need an elite quarterback a lot of times the counterpoint is well Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl and what what people don't realize is those are one-offs okay Jimmy Garoppolo is so good the San Francisco 49ers said we're going to give up three first-round picks for the right to draft Trey Lance. Is Trey Lance good? Shit, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But that's how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. The 49ers said, oh, shit. <laughs> we got to find somebody else. <laughs> now, whether that was a bad decision is on them, and time will tell. That's not the point. My point is, those counterpoints to this, to this assertion that you need to have an elite quarterback, those are one-offs. Okay? Joe Flacco... Won that Super Bowl, and then <laughs> Joe Flacco yeah, got never, paid. He got paid. He got the highest paid contract in NFL history after that, and then he became Joe Flacco again. Right? So, look, man, this is reality. This is reality, and it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's real. It is definitely real. Let me ask you this: I think we talked about this last week at the combine. Let's say Jimmy G and Carson are, are pretty similar quarterbacks. I don't want to get into the nuances of it. I get it. They're different guys. But yeah. let's just say from a football perspective, they both make mistakes. They're both flawed prospects. I understand that. But as Robert Mays, our colleague, pointed out last week, it, maybe the, the flaws with Jimmy G 
are a little bit more predictable. And by that, I mean, he doesn't lose you as many games. With Wentz, they, they seem to come at the worst time and they seem to come in the worst way. Can you live with that a little? Is that a little bit of a, does that help a little bit? Maybe if you can so, move on from a guy that's less dramatic, that's less drastic with his play, right? Because with Wentz, the highs are great, but the lows are damning. And, and, and in a game where the Colts had so many close games this year, those little plays seem to add up. But um, maybe I'm just picking at very little things right now that doesn't really help anything. No, I, I actually agree with that. I, I do think Jimmy is a slight upgrade. I, I think he's an upgrade in the right way. Uh, I think you you sleep a little better at night for the reasons you just outlined. I think he'll execute a little better. He'll make some bad throws and force some throws. I think that's what sort of mediocre quarterbacks do, right? But I I think that if you if you get a quarterback who is more willing to execute Frank Reich's offense and and I think play at a more predictable level, I think this team has a chance to be better, if not significantly better. Not because the quarterback is so much more talented. That's not what it's about. I don't think this is just a talent issue. I think this is more about execution. I really do. And I, I just think execution is something we don't talk about enough. We talk about all right, arm strength and you know, can you, are you a good athlete and all of these other qualities, right? Accuracy, all those things are really important. But you also got to execute. And Carson Wentz, from an execution standpoint, terrible, in my opinion. Terrible. I mean... He didn't throw in rhythm. He he was indecisive. I mean, all of the things that that make it hard. Like I've been saying, those are the things that make it hard. There's a lots of there are lots of easy throws you could make at times. He didn't make them, and maybe they don't go for fifty yards, but maybe they go for seven or eight. Jonathan Taylor yeah, can take man. it from there. Make the layups, you know. So anyway, I I do think yes that Jimmy G can can improve in some of those areas. Here's the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. This is, as you can tell now, okay, pay attention to the last couple of days if you're out there listening to this. Russell Wilson, ridiculous compensation. Just ridiculous. But I get it. I don't, I'm not criticizing. I get it. Today, Carson Wentz, pretty ridiculous compensation, okay? It's not like last year he had had one bad year. Now he's had two in a row, and the team that's had him for one year is like, get the hell out of here. And they still gave up two third-round picks, and they're taking all the, the money on the on the contract. So what I'm getting at is Jimmy G, the price is going to be substantial. I'm not saying it's going to be multiple first-round picks or something crazy. But it ain't no, going right, to right, be Carson though. Wentz level. It's going to be more. I think I think it has to be more than Carson Wentz. And it's $27 million. They got plenty of money. I'm just saying you have to consider all of it. So, therefore, are they better considering one of these guys because that's all they are just a guy in free agency i i don't know i wonder is the difference between jimmy garoppolo and some of these other possibilities is it that great i don't know that answer but i think that needs to be something the colts have to talk about but i like the idea of jimmy g in theory i just think that there's more to that question than just is he the right guy you know and again probably not a long-term guy either so that's the other consideration let me ask you this how will you remember the Carson Wentz experiment? It only lasted 12 months. Jesus. It was Frank uh, Reich stuck his neck out for him. It was a roller coaster, man. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. So our colleagues in Philadelphia 
we've we talked to them just repeatedly about this time last year when that deal was going on. You know, we had a, a four way chat going and uh, you know, we were sort of keeping in contact and and I remember <laughs> I remember those two guys telling us, Yeah, you know, it's uh it's gonna be an experience. <laughs> And boy, was it an experience. It, you described it already, I thought, earlier in this podcast when you said that when he would drop back, you oftentimes would ask yourself, oh boy, what's coming? You know, what's going to happen now? And it wasn't just that. It was also just the disparity between his highs and his lows. I yeah. think that, for me, was just like, wow. I mean, I just you just never knew what you were going to get. I mean, you could get a a 60-yard touchdown, or you could get a left-handed interception. We got both. <laughs> In what one year. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, and that's not good football. Like, that's not consistent football. And, and the highs were great. I mean, some of Carson's – if you put together Carson's highlights, his 10 best plays, they're yeah. great freaking plays from quarterback play. Like, they're great. His 10 worst plays would be some of the worst you've ever seen. And, <laughs> and that's sort of the disparity you're talking about, and that – fact that you couldn't depend on the consistency and you couldn't know and I think some teammates felt that I think some teammates felt that yeah and that wore on them and and that was one of the reasons why this move was weighed and and I just think it's just hard to put Carson Wentz in a box it's hard to classify how he plays football because there's so much talent there when he harnesses it he's such a good player and he's done a lot of good things and in a lot of ways, he got the Colts back to the deep threat offense they wanted to be in spurts last year that Frank Reich really wanted. That's one of the things they were so amped about last year when they made the trade was, this guy's got a cannon. Remember Michael Pittman being like, dude, I've never played with a guy with this kind of arm in my life. And and right. and you saw that a little bit last season. But you have to take the whole thing, the whole game, the whole season in context. And, and I never... That's why I always get a little miffed when people say, yeah, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Like, that doesn't tell the story. That doesn't even tell half the story. And for those out there that follow this team, you watched every game. You lived through that roller coaster. So um, I don't think the next quarterback will be as much of a roller coaster, but he might not have the same top-end talent that Wentz does. So it's just going to be a transition. But I don't think I'll ever cover another quarterback like him. It's just a very unique skill set, lots of highs, lots of lows, and a lot of unease kind of in the back of my mind about how things are going to go because – you always sort of feel like you're one or two seconds from disaster. And that doesn't mean that it was always a disaster, but it was just a dangerous way to live if you're an offense. No question. And, you know, look, all I can say is that, you know, you mentioned that that stat line, 27 and 7. That is the most smoke and mirrors stat line in NFL history, I think. I will I will say that for the next 20 years. Yep. I will never get over that. Like I, national guys will be like, what's the problem? And I'm like, Okay. First of all, do your homework. <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> That's the question. No, but it's it's true, and it's it, it really you had to be there. You really had to be there, and of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you were, so you get it. Um, it was something else, I, and I think look, we'll be doing another podcast here pretty soon. I think because I don't think they can, I don't think they can linger here. I think they have to move. Uh, there are there are I think by my count about eight or eight to nine teams that are trying to figure out their, their quarterback situation still. So the premium options are going to go pretty quick. And by premium, we're using the term very, very loosely. Okay. But uh, I would imagine here in the next week that we'll have some movement. I don't know how you wait any longer. Uh, Not unless you're just, you know, going to just 
literally take the scraps and and just leave this yeah. to to chance. You've got money. You've got money, and you've got some of the most prized positions in this league that you need to fill. You need to go spend it, and it's time to be aggressive. Because if you just sit back and take whatever's left, you're going to doom your season. You're going to doom this 2022 season. And for whatever negativity is around there about this team and what they can do next year, there's some serious questions. Um, they need to go find something because some of the options are a lot better than some of the other options. Yeah, that, I think that's definitely true. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Look, I'll, Zach's got a, a new story up on The Athletic now. Check that out. I'm working on one as well. Uh, and Zach's story looks backwards, you know, sort of detailing how we got here. I'll have a story about what's next. So some of these options we're talking about, I'll get into more detail in that. So we've got you covered there. Uh, and look, $70 million in cap space. I'm sure Chris Ballard can't wait to spend it all. So my point is, look, there's going to be a lot to talk about in the next week or so. Uh, negotiations begin on Monday. Uh, they are allowed to have contact with free agents, all NFL teams, beginning Monday. And then Wednesday is free agency. So it's here. This is the silly season. And uh, we'll we'll be here to cover it all for you. So thanks for listening. Wanted to get this out for you guys so you can kind of uh, get your head around what happened today and maybe what's ahead. So I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper. We appreciate you listening. This is 1% Better.